Welcome to the Pleasant Green Missionary Baptist Church Sunday School Lesson for Sunday, November 26, 2023. Uh, we pray that you all had a blessed Thanksgiving uh, and thank the Lord for his abundant grace and mercy for us all. Uh, we are still in Unit 3, which is entitled Christ Frees Law Enslaves. Christ frees law and slaves. We're in lesson 13 and the faith pathway adult quarterly, which is entitled Do What is Helpful. Our devotional reading is taken from James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. Background scripture taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 8, and then chapter 10, verses 23 through chapter 11, verse 1. And our printed passage or lesson text is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 23 through 33, and then chapter 11, uh, verse 1. Our key verse from the King James Version is, All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23b. Our lesson aims from the quarterly or number one, evaluate the tension between the Corinthian believers, freedom in Christ, and the polytheistic religious understanding. Number two, wrestle with the discord that emerges from differences between what is lawful and what is beneficial. And then number three, discern opportunities to glorify God and honor others in your religious liberty. After the introduction, uh, the quarterly has outlined has two divisions. The first is entitled, Do What Is Helpful, How, Do What Is Helpful, colon, How. The second division, and that's covered between 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23 through 30. Second division is entitled, Do What is Helpful, colon, Why? Question mark. And that's covered between 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 through 33, and then chapter 11, verse 1. So before we get into a little um, context, a little background for the lesson. Let's go before the throne. Our Father, we do thank and praise you, Lord, for yet another opportunity to study your word. Lord, we thank you and praise you for all that you've done, what you're doing, what you've promised to do in our lives, for your abundant grace and mercy, Lord. We um, we thank you for the, uh, the nation celebrating what you've done for them on yesterday, Lord. Uh, Thanksgiving, we pray that all recognize that it is by your grace, it is by your mercy, uh, Lord, it is by your loving kindness and tender mercy, Lord, that we continue, Lord, we thank you for our salvation, we thank you for your many spiritual and material blessings, Lord, and we pray for understanding of this lesson today, Lord, and as we understand it, Lord, we pray that you help us to be uh, increase our faith, and as our faith is increased, help us to be more obedient, Lord, to your word, to recognize our freedom in Christ, but Lord, our freedom 
uh, is measured or freedom is limited to what does not offend, what edifies, and what makes us, builds us up in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, from the quarterly, and I, I've neglected to mention, for those of you who also refer to the standard commentary, the title of the standard uh, lesson is Freedom to Edify. We know edify means to build up. Additional aims from the standard are, number one, identify the text quoted in 1 Corinthians 10, 26, and then number two, explain Paul's understanding of the role of one's conscience. Then number three, make a plan to eliminate one personal practice that has a high chance of causing a fellow Christian to stumble. Uh, we're going to understand why Paul asked the question, why is his liberty, liberty in Christ, judged of another man's conscience or limited by another man's conscience. The biblical context from Cordley says the context of this lesson in, uh, is Paul's response to issues of idolatry and dietary restrictions described in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. That was part of our devotional reading, our background scripture as well. Uh, our background scripture, I should say. Um, and it says the Corinthians correctly argue that since there is only one true God, why should it matter whether they ate meat offered to idols? Although Paul agreed with uh, that reasoning, he pointed out the need to consider the vulnerability of Christians from backgrounds steeped in idol worship. They did not fully understand that idols possess no real power. Consequently, they would not eat meat without violating their weak conscience. Now, Paul goes on to um, expound on what, on the freedom that we have uh, in Christ, but, uh, and, and, all, and he explains that all things are lawful, or there are things that are not explicitly condemned by the law, but they are not expedient, they are not edifying, they are not beneficial. And we'll, he'll give, um, well, we'll perhaps give some examples of that as we go through the text. Now, as is our custom, we will read uh, the text uh, for each division, and then we will back up and have some verse-by-verse -verse, uh, discussion. And I'm going to... Um, use the NIV, uh, may refer to the KJV uh, as needed. But uh, so the first division again of the quarterly lesson is do what is helpful, colon, how. And that's covered between 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23 to 30. Beginning at verse 23, I have the right to do anything you say, but not every a thing is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive or edifying. Uh, verse 24, no one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Eat anything sold in the meat market, 
without raising questions of, con of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. That is verse 26. Verse 27, if an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat what is put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it, both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. Verse 29, I'm referring to the other person's conscience, not yours. For why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? Verse 30, if I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? Okay, that is the first division, again entitled, Do What is Helpful, How? Now, we're going to back up to verse 23 again, and that reads, I have the right to do anything, this is this, uh, and uh, you say, Paul is, is recognizing uh, the believer's recognition of their freedom. But not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything. And again, Paul is conceding that. But not everything is constructive. Now, let me just say before we uh, speak about this verse, uh, Paul is addressing um, in... <clears throat> First Corinthians, the uh, some self-centeredness uh, that uh, in the Corinthian church uh, that had resulted in the abuse of Christian freedom to the detriment of many. The standard commentator says that was uh, just one of the many problems that Paul had addressed in his first letter to that to that church. We know self-centeredness may even have been the basis of the other problems. There were several problems that Paul addressed in his first letter to the Corinthians uh, and self-centeredness that resulted in the, uh, to the detriment of others, weaker Christians, namely, uh, was one of those problems. So in this verse, verse 23, we see two statements made, uh, and they are, um, uh, repeats basically uh, in the, the Greek of what Paul previously stated in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12a, uh, the statement uh, that all things, or, or I have a right to do anything, King James says all things are lawful uh, for me, uh, appears to have been uh, something of a proverb among the Corinthian believers. And then the fact uh, that was true uh, given the fact that things were not, uh, there were things that were permitted uh, by the law and not exclusively uh, uh, prohibited uh, by the law. This proverb may have been created to, to justify uh, certain behaviors in light of their freedom in Christ. And let's understand we do have freedom in Christ. And 
we've spoken about this uh, many times, uh, what uh, the, 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 under the new covenant where the law is written on the fleshly tablets of our heart, Jeremiah spoke about this first, we are held to a higher standard than the law, the written law given through Moses uh, required. And I've mentioned, I've given examples before. Uh, for example, uh, the law given by Moses said, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Of course, Jesus said, If you look on a woman and lust after her in your heart, you've committed adultery already. And there are many, many other examples that could be given, but Let's understand uh, the fact that we're not under the written law of Moses does not mean that our behavior is not constrained, that we are not under the law of the, under the new covenant, uh, guided by the Holy Spirit, okay, and, and, the, and the commandments of Christ. The second part of that, uh, the first half verse says, but not everything is beneficial. First part, I have a right to do anything. Second part, but everything is not beneficial. So that's something that the Corinthians may not have considered. Uh, it may have been uh, permitted by the law or again, not explicitly prohibited by the law, but it was not beneficial. There are certain things, for example, uh, watching television. There's no prohibition in watching television. However, if we do that to excess and to the exclusion of spending time in the Word uh, and, and prayer, then it's not beneficial. Certainly, it's not as beneficial as the alternative, again, one alternative to that, and that is spending time in the Word and prayer, growing spiritually. And the second half of that verse 23, part B, seems to be uh, just a reiteration uh, uh, to emphasize. He says, I have a right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. Uh, and uh, the King James Version says, not every, but all things edify, not construct means to build, edify means to build up. So everything uh, we are allowed to do under the law, certainly not prohibited from doing, uh, is not beneficial or constructive, okay? Uh, we're not edifying the Lord if we do things, again, that are permitted under the law, uh, that, again, have no spiritual value, don't help others or ourselves for that matter. We build ourselves up through Bible study and certainly through prayer and drawing closer to God uh, and, 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 and surrendering ourselves more and more to his Holy Spirit and his guidance. Verse 24, no one should seek their own good, but the good of others. In this verse, by the good of others, we are to seek the good of others. Paul means the spiritual enrichment of others, or the spiritual growth of others. Let's take a look at the Romans uh, chapter 15, verse 2. And, and there Paul says, each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. We should be building one another up. In fact, uh, 
if you know uh, anything about the spiritual gift that the Holy Spirit gives to the church, most of them, aside from perhaps evangelism or specifically for the purpose of building up the church. Okay, we're going to say more about this as we go further into the lesson. We know in Philippians chapter 2, um, verse 4, just and this is just before Paul tells us the kind of mind we ought to have, the mind of Christ. Chapter 4 says, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. We are to uh, be looking for opportunities to edify, build up, uh, to serve others in love. We're going to say more again later. Verse 25. In fact, let's look at verse 25 and 26 together. It says, For the earth is the Lord's and, the f and everything in it. If a believer... I'm sorry, let me back up. Uh, 25 says, Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience. That's verse 25. Verse 26 says, For the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the King James says, and the fullness thereof. And also the King James refers to the meat market or the market meat market as the shambles. Uh, and that was a place, of course, where animals were butchered and meat was sold. And it was, in particular, the market uh, was a place where uh, a lot of meats uh, offered to idols that was left over more than the priests could eat. The pagan priests uh, could eat uh, was uh, sold at very low cost because obviously the priests had no overhead uh, and they butchered this meat and they sold it at very discounted prices. Now, Paul is saying you can eat anything that's sold there. And don't raise any questions that are going to affect your conscience about the meat. Okay? Uh, and he's he's recognizing that the mature Christian, and, and certainly all Christians should recognize that whether the meat had been sacrificed to idols or not, it's nothing. Okay? Everything. In verse 26, he says, For the earth is the Lord's, and everything and everything is given to us by God. God created everything and has given us everything. There's nothing that we have that was that's not given to us of God, and that's food and everything else. Now, Paul has so far uh, in this passage, he's explained that uh, we are to uh, have freedom in Christ. However, uh, recognize that the, all everything that we do uh, under that freedom is not uh, beneficial, does not build up others, but when we are to look out for the good of others, for the spiritual enrichment of others, and not just our own, and he's transitioning into giving an example of eating of meats. That was one of the questions that the, Christ, that the Christians at Corinth had uh, sacrificed to idols. He said in verse 25, Again, hey, you can eat anything sold there, buy anything sold there, eat anything sold there. He says God has given everything, uh, and he's going to give an example here beginning at verse 26. He says, if an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you, 
without raising questions of conscience. So what is he saying here? Uh, don't question where the meat comes from, basically, or its origin. Uh, if you uh, have some concern about whether it was sacrificed or left over from sacrifice to idols. Now, let's understand those uh, Christians uh, coming from pagan backgrounds perhaps thought that they were somehow participating in the worship of idols and eating this meat, which the priests, the, the, the pagan priests ate, or acknowledging the existence of the idol gods in eating this meat. And they, uh, they had not grown spiritually enough to know that there, were, there was nothing, not, an idol was nothing, first of all. There's only one true God. Uh, and that uh, there was nothing wrong with the meat uh, associated with the nothing God, idol God, okay? Now, Paul continues with this hypothetical situation here, verse 28. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, in sacrifice to idols, I should say, uh, then do not eat it, both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. Now, in this verse, who is the refrain from eating again? Verse 28, but if someone says to you, believer, this has been offered in sacrifice, and he's talking to a mature believer, this has been offered in sacrifice, and the King James says to idols and to idols. Uh, the NIV doesn't include that. Then do not eat it. Now he's talking to a mature Christian, both for the sake of the one who told you, okay, about this being sacrificed idols, and for the sake of conscience. Whose conscience is he talking about? Not the mature Christian's conscience but the weaker Christian's conscience. And the, 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 the guest, uh, or the host rather, may be the one that told them this meat was sacrificed idols. And he may not even be a believer. But if there is a weaker Christian there, again, it's his conscience that he is concerned about, not the mature Christian's conscience. So the, the mature Christian is told not to eat, it, it says, for the one who told you, because if the one who told you is an unbeliever, he may think that you are participating somehow in idol worship or certainly acknowledging uh, an idol God. Uh, and for the one who is the weaker Christian, he might think the same. And he's confused again because he's not uh, become fully convinced that there is nothing to idols or idol worship or meat sacrifice to idols. So let's back up to our background scripture, um, verse First uh, Corinthians chapter eight, verse seven, uh, for some clarification here. It says, "But not everyone possesses this knowledge. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat sacrificial food." They think of it as having been sacrificed to a god, and since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. They're offended because, again, they have not come to the full recognition that 
there is there is no idol god there is no other god there is no idol god and so that uh, meat sacrifice to that idol uh it means nothing it's perfectly uh uh permissible to eat and verse 29a again makes it clear whose conscience is being referred to uh it says I am referring to the other person's conscience, not yours. That other person can mean a weaker Christian or the host, whether the host is a believer or unbeliever. Uh, if the host is an unbeliever, then again, you are acknowledging, perhaps acknowledging the existence of an idol by partaking uh, in eating meat sacrificed to the idol. And so he is, he's, uh, can be led astray or certainly not led to Christ. Um, and, and I've already explained uh, the confusion that the weaker Christian might have. Uh, second part of uh, verse 29 says, For why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? In other words, why is my freedom in Christ being limited or restricted by another person's conscience, a weaker Christian's conscience. Look, I'm a mature Christian. Now, we can never be mature enough. Let's understand that. But I'm more mature than a weaker brother who has a problem with eating meat sacrificed idols. So why can't I exercise my freedom uh, and explain, simply explain to the weaker Christian uh, that this is nothing because he's not because he or she is not grown to a point where they understand that fully and that's something that uh, takes time obviously time and study and of course uh, uh, the outworking of the Holy Spirit in the, the Christian's life and actually we should have read uh, verse 30 along with uh, part B of 29 because it, it gives some greater understanding to um, both verses. Um, verse 30 says, If I take part in a meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? So he asks kind of a rhetorical question in 29 part B. Why is my freedom judged by another's conscience? And then he goes on to say, If I take part in a meal with thankfulness, you know, we thank God for everything. Uh, why am I denounced? Because of something I thank God for. And, and of course, the more mature Christian knows there's nothing wrong with this meat. Now, let's, let's, uh, <clears throat> let's think about this uh, uh, in, 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 in our own lives. Um, how is our liberty uh, curtailed or constrained, if you will, uh, by uh, our concern about offending another. Some believe that there's something uh, certainly um, sinful about uh, drinking, smoking, watching certain movies, uh, uh, going to the movie even, all kinds of things. Uh, uh, people coming out of different backgrounds might think are unlawful, okay? Now, they are not necessarily unlawful, but they're not beneficial, and they're not healthy. 
I mean, smoking and drinking will not save you and it will not condemn you to hell. Uh, obviously, there's a prohibition of drunkenness, of course, and we know cigarettes can cause lung cancer. Uh, certainly, uh, eating to excess can cause obesity and all kinds of health issues. But whether we, we eat or drink, Paul says, does not commend us to God, does not make us any uh, more, um, uh, does not save us, in other words, does not justify us before God. So there are instances when uh, we uh, find ourselves in situations that if we do something that a weaker Christian believes is sinful, uh, that we restrain from doing those things. I, I certainly believe that that weaker Christian should be taught, uh, should be uh, helped to become more mature in that particular area or those particular areas, uh, rather than us just restraining our liberty indefinitely. Uh, I think that we ought to try to teach uh, uh, a weaker brother or sister in Christ that these things are not uh, things that commend us to God or not. These things are lawful, but they don't build up. They don't edify. They don't, uh, they're not beneficial. Okay. Uh, so, uh, and I think that would help the Christian mature if they understood as well how their liberty is judged when they become more mature, their freedom, if you will, in Christ is restricted. And, and, and let's just give an example. Well, let's say, uh, well, uh, a weaker Christian might think, well, you're not not to go see this movie. It's R-rated or whatever. Uh, then we might say, well, you know, I, I, I'm a mature Christian and I'm not going to allow uh, something uh, that is going to affect me um, spiritually. Uh, I'm not going to ingest or watch that. But it may be otherwise, you know, they give ratings for various things, violence or whatever. We may think it's fine to go see the movie. But uh, if the weaker Christian thinks that it's not, then we should restrain uh, ourselves, our freedom, uh, until that weaker Christian comes to more maturity. Now we move into the second division of our lesson, which is entitled, do what is helpful, colon, why? So why are we doing what is helpful? Helpful to who? Helpful to others. Verse 31 says, whether therefore we eat or drink or whatever we do, do all to the glory of God. Give none offense, neither to the Jew nor the Gentile, nor to the church of God. Verse 33, even as I please all men, I'm sorry, and I'm reading from the King James Version, I'll reread from the NIV. In all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. From the NIV, those three verses read, 31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Verse 32, do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jew, Greek, or the church of God. Verse 33, even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. So in our last uh, division, uh, it maintained the tension between freedom and restraint, our freedom in Christ 
and the restraint that we need to exercise for the benefit of others. But now, uh, the vital context in this section of this division uh, is uh, that of doing all to the glory of God. Okay, and um, so, so Paul is giving the why, the reason why we restrain our liberties. Uh, and uh, first, uh, from the, the, the quarterly commentary, it reads, Paul says, do not do all things to the glory of God, not only when we eat or drink, but in whatever we do, our purpose must be to glorify and honor God. Following this principle, it's critical to deciding about participating in activities not necessarily identified as evil in the Bible. And, and that is what is to constrain our liberty or constrain us in our freedom in Christ, whether it brings glory to God or not. Okay, whether it exalts God or not commentator goes on to say that glorifying God is exalting his attributes, his holiness, faithfulness, mercy, grace, love, and majesty, to name a few. So if it does not contribute to those attributes, it does not bring glory to God, and therefore our liberty in that area should be restrained. Uh, when we build up a person spiritually, when we uh, cause them to draw closer to Christ or to, to come to know Christ better and more personally, we are glorifying God. The standard commentator says regarding uh, verse 31, the privilege and duty of all creation is to glorify God. Uh, it's a theme that permeates scripture, and he gives an example, such as Psalms 19, verses 1 to 6. I'm going to read that real quickly. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out to all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like the bridegroom coming out of this chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. Uh, that is a praise psalm. Now, there are many other places where we are um, instructed to do what glorifies the Lord. And I, I, I want to just go one other place and then we'll move on. Verse 30, I'm sorry, Romans 11, verse 36. And it reads, It reads, for from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. That's a, uh, a, a benediction. Know that God uh, is 
due all glory and all praise. And so, again, getting back to our lesson, we are to be guided, our liberty, our, our what we do uh, in our freedom in Christ is to be guided by what is going to bring glory to God. So moving on to verse 32, do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jew, Greek, or the church of God. First part, do not cause any to stumble. So this is something else, an imperative that should guide our conduct, that should guide our, our freedom or what we do in our freedom, in our liberty in Christ. What, whether something causes someone else to stumble. And this is speaking of, uh, well, in a spiritual sense, certainly, uh, but uh, morally, uh, they could uh, misunderstand something that we do as a part of our liberty in Christ and actually can sin morally. Uh, and obviously that's a spiritual uh, sin as well. Or we could we could simply we could offend their conscience. Uh, we could actually weaken them in some area of their conscience. So that's to guide our that's what that's one of those vital imperatives that's to guide our freedom of how we exercise our freedom. And it says it, well the first part of that verse says give none offense. Uh, is it it means it means no one. Okay, the second part. Uh, is an enumeration, if you will. It says whether Jews, Greeks, or the church. Okay, we understand there are three people groups uh, in this world. They're uh, unsaved, they're Jews that don't know Christ. Uh, there are Greeks or Gentiles that don't know Christ. And then the church, which is a mixture of Jews and Gentiles, the church of God, he's saying it. So we are to be safeguard, uh, uh, be conscience, we're to do nothing to cause any to stumble. If someone is an unbeliever, our, our aim should be to lead that person to faith in Jesus Christ and what Christ has done for all of us on the cross, uh, not to cause them to stumble, not to to push them away from Christ. And there are many things, unfortunately, that are done in the church, or at least the professing church, that call, that defames Christ, that causes unbelievers to think that we're a bunch of hypocrites. And I heard someone say the other day, yeah, I don't, I don't believe in going to church because it's full of a bunch of hypocrites. To which one minister said, yeah, we got room for one more too. So uh, we don't want to do uh, anything that brings, that defames, we want to do things that glorify God, and certainly the, we want to do things that don't cause others to stumble. Let's move on to verse 23, I'm sorry, 33, which reads, even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. So Paul is doing what he can to please others, not himself, but others. And he says, in every way. What, what does that mean? Well, in the way I eat, in the way I drink, in the way I, 
I carry myself uh, before them, and for what reason? To bring glory to God. That's the underlying reason for him uh, doing everything um, in a way that, uh, uh, again, uh, recognizes our freedom but constrains that freedom. So Paul uses his lifestyle that he has shared uh, or uh, among the Gentiles uh, uh, as an example for them to follow. We're going to see that more explicitly stated in the next verse. Uh, and he is confident that his um, uh, example was worthy of imitation because uh, he patterned it after Christ. And the commentator says he is Christ is the supreme example of self-sacrifice and love. So Paul is, is, is saying he does everything he can not to cause others to stumble. And I'm paraphrasing, uh, not to, uh, uh, he, he says, Again, verse 33, even as I try to please everyone in every way. And and, and, and that doesn't mean to uh, give them everything that they desire, of course. It means to, to help them, to do what's beneficial for them, to, to, call, to, to produce spiritual enrichment uh, in their lives. That's what we're talking about there when it says to please everyone in every way and not to offend, certainly not to cause them to stumble. He says, for I am seeking, uh, not seeking my own good, but the good of many or the edification, the growth of many, the drawing of many to Christ. He says, so that they may be saved. Paul is doing uh, the work of an evangelist in trying to draw unbelievers to faith in Jesus Christ, as we all should be. And then finally, uh, verse 11 of chapter 11, verse 1 says, Follow my example, for I follow the example of Christ. And again, the pattern, Paul believes his imitating him is worthy because he has patterned his life, his lifestyle after Christ. And again, Christ being the supreme example of self-sacrifice and love. We know in John chapter 13, verse 35, the the Lord Jesus tells us to love one another uh, as he's loved us. And he said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. Because why? Because we resemble him in self-sacrificing love and doing that which is good for for others and even to the point of sacrificing, in this case, our own freedoms, our own liberties. Now, Christ sacrificed his own life. We're only asked to restrict the freedoms that we have in Christ for the edification or the building up of others, the spiritual enrichment of others. So I hope we have uh, understood the lesson uh, text. I hope we understand a little better what uh, that we, first of all, we need to acknowledge we have freedom in Christ. All things are lawful, but everything does not build up. Our freedom is to be limited by 
Number one, does it bring glory to God? Number two, does it cause any others to stumble? And I'd say number three, does it build others up? Does it spiritually enrich them? Is it beneficial to others? I think those things we must consider when we exercise our freedom in Christ. So we, we thank and praise God for the understanding that he's given us to this lesson. And Lord, we thank you again for every opportunity we have to study your word. We, pray, we thank you for the understanding that you give us, Lord, and we pray that you would help us to put that understanding into practice, Lord. That we would live uh, lives, Lord, in, your, in the freedom that we have in you, Lord Jesus, but also restraining that freedom uh, so that it is exercised in such a way that brings glory to God does not cause others to stumble, but also but enriches their lives spiritually and causes them to grow in you. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.